And it's that time once again as we get to uh, examine the rule book. And here to help us do that, SEC replay official Gerald Hodges. And his appearance brought to you by A.G. Hines Company, providing building materials since anyone can remember. Gerald, how are you? Doing well, John. Uh, Jimmy, it's been two years since I've seen, I've seen your smiling faces. <laughs> That's right. I didn't even think about that. It was all virtual last week, yeah. last year. Yes, but sir. So it is great to see you, have you down here at Twin Peaks. And what has it been like getting ready for this season after the experience that was last year? Well, uh, we did have our meeting in person in Birmingham, which is great. Uh, we're still doing lots and lots of Zoom meetings, which actually is good. Uh, it's a little easier to kind of keep control than having a large crowd, but uh, we've got a couple Zoom meetings this week getting ready for this week's game. But uh, it's uh, it's been good. It really has. It's uh, Tell me in terms of, because we've seen, especially in the National Football League, what is the uh, the approach by most officials uh, in terms of the vaccine? And is that something that is required by the conference or just strongly encouraged as they remain with most individuals? Uh, it is strongly encouraged, and uh, I think we had a meeting. Uh, we are close to 100% on officials being vaccinated. and uh, But, you know, the alternative, obviously, you know, is you don't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, not that you're not vaccinated, but it's it's just a smart thing to do. I mean, it's, you know, uh, and I think the majority of the teams in the league are getting on up there in percentages too. So, And with the buildup to this league, uh, to this season, is there, are there any more, is there a greater number of alternates and or replacement officials standing by just in case? No, there really isn't. Uh, it's going to be the same, you know, we'll have, eight officials on the field and then of course in the sec the alternate official is a full-time official mm-hmm. uh i know there was a game this past weekend and I, I read you know they went through three umpires getting injured uh i don't know what they did with the on the third guy coming in you know the first one goes out obviously the alternate will come in and uh, but they did have they they had another official there so they typically if that happens uh you get down to you'll you'll work you know down the man mm-hmm. so uh it's uh i was surprised that the third guy came in they didn't move him back in the backfield you know, <laughs> after two of them got hurt but i think he did finish but that's the general you know in the sec is we have one alternate official on sidelines Gerald, uh, for those that don't know, where does the umpire station himself? The umpire uh, in college is right in the middle of the linebackers. It's a hazardous duty position. Uh, you've got you know, receivers cutting across the middle. You've got linemen going after linebackers. and You basically got to have your head on a swivel. Uh, and a re- it's, it's interesting because uh, one of our better umpires in the past in the uh, – in the SEC was Dr. Ted Davis, the veterinarian yeah. right here in Bearden. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he played eight years in the pros as a linebacker. But it's, watching him work was just uh, – he just had a knack to know where to be, when to move and when not to. Sometimes you can move when you shouldn't, and then that causes a really good collision. But you just kind of feel the play and the players around you. And uh, 
but he just had that knack. He really did. He reminded me of a bullfighter without a cape. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was watching that game you're talking about, and in both cases there was a, a player that ran over that umpire right. and it, it caused the, the injuries, and so they did have to replace him twice. Did you ever have the occasion to be an umpire at a game? Uh, only a couple times, and one of them was a high school game at Central here, and I did get run over. <laughs> I was used to being down on the defensive, you know, secondary back judge, you know, kind of away from everything. But I got pressed into duty one night, and uh, sure enough, I got run over. Didn't get hurt, just hurt my feelings. You know? <laughs> I just wonder from that position, if you have to have your head on a swivel, which you, you do, do, absolutely. How how hard does that make it to officiate? If you're trying to look around and make sure you're not run over, what are the chances you're going to miss a call? Well, typically – you know, there again, and all the umpires have their own technique. But typically on pass plays, especially, they'll, they'll step up because mm-hmm. the, typically the offensive linemen are retreating, pass blocking. So, uh, and it's good to step up because if you stay back where you are, typically five, six yards deep, that's, that's the lane that the receivers are cutting across the middle. And so it, it's probably a good idea in most cases to step up a yard or two and get out of that lane. Uh, and, of course, when you get scram, you know, you get scrambling quarterbacks or whatever, you know, you're on your own. <laughs> there was a play that intrigued me. Uh, there was a running back from Illinois who's running along the right sideline, and he gets near the goal line. His foot is clearly – inside the pylon, mm-hmm. but the ball he's carrying in his right arm, it never crosses the goal line. Right. If his feet are inside the pylon, but the ball didn't cross the goal line, is that a touchdown or not? No, it's not. It's not. No. You know, the ball, and that's the basic rule in football, the ball has to cross the plane of the goal line. And, uh, and either over the pylon or inside. Over it. or inside the pylon, correct. And there's a special instance where you get the goal line extended uh, if you go outside, but you have to touch the pylon before you hit out of bounds. You know, and that they that happens. But in there, there again, that's when you pray that the TV has goal line or pylon cameras, but they don't have a lot of. Yeah, it it was it was a pretty close call when I was watching that. Sure. Uh, oh yes. On that particular situation. Um, I also wanted to ask you about another one. I want to get the rule on this because there seemed to be some confusion. Uh, You've got uh, Illinois punting. A Nebraska punt returner retreats. He catches the ball on the two-yard line. He ends up going into the end zone. And there a guy, a tackler comes up to hit him. His knee hits the ground. After his knee hit the ground, he threw it out of the end zone on about the six-yard line or whatever. They call it a safety. What is the rule on that? If you are if you catch a ball and you're retreating, the momentum takes you into the end zone, what's the rule on you being tackled in the end zone there? What okay. happens, Jerry? Right, let's start for that first thing. If you catch the ball inside the five-yard line okay. and your momentum carries you into the end zone, okay, if you don't get out, if you get tackled in the end zone and you don't get out of the end zone, then the ball comes back to where you possessed it. That's what they call a momentum rule. So it would come back, say you caught it on the four. Okay. And you're on the dead run, you're over your shoulder, 
first thing, punt receiver doesn't need to be catching the ball inside 10 yards. That's right. Heels, but, heels on the 10. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> anyway. Uh, but now if he catches, if he possesses it outside the five and they tackle him in the end zone, it is a safety. They only get the momentum inside the five-yard line. But say he does get in there and they tackle him, catches on the four and they tackle him, nothing else happens, then it comes back to the four. And then the, the other rule in there, too, is uh, for that momentum to take effect, the ball has to end up in the end zone, you know. So that's sim- oversimplification. But And the receiving team has to be the one in possession when the down's over. So that's, in a nutshell, that's oversimplification, but it, that's what it is. So what if you're retreating to catch the ball, you catch it on the four, and you retreat to the one-yard line and you get tackled on the one, does the ball go back to the four or does it go on the one-yard line? If uh, they tackle you, you're at the one. Yeah, the momentum's carried you back to the one and you get hit at the one-yard line immediately. Does the ball go on the one or the four? It's at the one. One-yard line. It's at the one, yeah. It has to get into the end zone. Okay. It was an interesting call as I watched that and I wasn't sure about what the rule was on that. But uh, that was in that season opener. I'm like, I'm watching a game. They had all kinds of stuff in that first game, didn't they? Yes, they did. (laughs) And I thought, this is a great time for Gerald to be joining us because (laughs) some of of the calls out there, I I didn't know the rule. I wasn't sure about it. There was one explanation is uh, when you tackle, the ball had to be completely out of the end zone or else it's a safety. So that was one of the explanations they gave in regard to that. Yeah. was that maybe the TV announcers? Yes, it was. Okay. Uh, no. It, Beware of TV announcers? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> but not radio announcers. No, no. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. The, uh, Gary Daniels he, ruined it for everybody. If he, <laughs> <laughs> if he gets all the way in the end zone with the ball and comes back out and the ball gets halfway out, mm-hmm. then the ball is still considered it, it has to get clearly out of the end zone. Well, they said that it had to be clearly out. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah, they got that right then. But if it's splitting the goal line, then it's considered still in the end zone. It would go back to the four or wherever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was a bizarre call. They spent a lot of time trying to to sort that one out. So, oh yeah. yeah. If you have a question or comment for Gerald, 656-9900-656-9900. Star 990 is free for AT&T and U.S. Cellular customers. The toll-free number, 1-866-656-9900. Of course, uh, we look forward to this segment. And when you take a look at changes, modifications, is there an area of the game that has been modified more from last season to this season than any other? The biggest, actually, there is the biggest to me. The biggest change uh, is the overtime, and you know, That's finally, right. you know, we talked about that last year. But anyway, uh, the uh, the change in the overtime, uh, the first overtime period, there's there's no change. It's just like last year. You have your coin toss, and then you alternate possessions until each team has a possession. Second extra period this year, you have to go for two. If you score, you have to go you know, for a two-point conversion. On the third extra period, they put the ball on the three-yard line, and it's basically a two-point conversion. You get one play from the three. And course, Goodness. At, obviously, you still could have more than three, but it's it's highly unlikely. 
you know, you've got two, basically boils down to two two-point conversions you have to convert, and the percentage on those is uh, barely out of the 20s, if it is, upper 20s. So, Man, that's well, something. The seven-overtime A&M, yeah. you know, LSU game was the clincher for that. When it comes to, and you were mentioning a game that you worked in high school, uh, for all the pitfalls that are out there, and I've got not one but two people I know that are trying to uh, to start their climb through the ranks. Sure. Uh, they're doing high school officiating, and congratulations to them and anybody that puts those puts on those shoes and that hat to, uh, to go out there and give it a shot because it's one, they need the help uh, in terms of they could use as many officials as possible. But how big is how big is the problem for somebody who anticipates a penalty as opposed to calling a penalty because they saw the penalty? Uh, it early on is yes. probably a lot more. You know, the key to, in football, and I did football and basketball. Uh, it happens a lot more in basketball with young basketball officials because you have to blow the whistle immediately. That's true. They always tell a young of twenty-five-year college official, don't. Run around with the whistle in your mouth, first thing. See it and know what you see. You've got all kinds of – and what really gets me a lot of times, though, is the TV announcer. Well, there comes a late flag. You know, as long as the flag's out by the end of the play, to us it's not late. You know, because you might have to look at several things to see if you really – but obviously you don't want to blow a whistle in football because that kills it, you know, so – but anticipation is, you know, early on is probably a little bit of an issue. It's not that bad. Like mm-hmm. As long as you don't carry the whistle in your mouth and you throw the flag, then, you know, sometimes they, you throw the flag and you got to figure out what you really had. I've had them come up to me when I was a referee, especially, and it's, what you got? And it's, I don't know, but it didn't look right. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, what did you see? What didn't look right? That's right. <laughs> That's when you hear him cue the mic, and it's like he's got him down. He's giving him the business. Yeah, being dry. That's right. <laughs> Let's get a call from Ron, who joins us. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Ron. Hey, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, just got a question for Gerald. Uh, in one of the high school games this past Friday night, there was a really unique play that took place. And just curious whether that's a college rule or not. So, Brentwood Academy, CPA, Christ Presbyterian were playing. Uh, Brentwood Academy had CPA pinned deep near the end of the first half. So CPA punted from like their five-yard line. Brentwood Academy fair caught the ball to 35 and then was enabled to, from that point, do a pre-kick field goal um, and was able to make the three points and, and score it. And I didn't know if that was a college rule or just a high school rule. It is only high school, now, if it still is. Now, Ron, to, to be fair, uh, I haven't refereed a high school game in 47 years. So, But gotcha. I think it's still a rule in high school, and it is an unimpeded free kick. It used to be in college, uh, but they took it out, I'm going to guess, 35 years ago. Yeah. It is in the NFL. Yeah, NFL you can still too. do that okay. in the NFL. Yeah, you yeah. can fair catch it at the end of a half yeah. and have a free kick. I don't. I have enough um, trouble on Saturdays, so I don't get it, in the NFL rules. It, Ron, here's the other thing that um, at one point was true. I think it is still true. That is up to the individual high school association 
If the, the Tennessee High School Association, it might be a rule there, but in the Texas High School Association, it might not be. Right. They, so they th- play NCAA rules Yeah, they, Texas, so they, it may not be there. Yeah, so, so you have different states have different rules on that. So that's just to keep in mind. So you might be watching a game emanating out of Florida with IMG Academy, and that rule doesn't exist in Florida. For example, I don't know that, but I'm just saying different states have different rules regarding that exact example you gave. Interesting. Okay. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate it. It was great call by Brentwood Academy to pull it off. They made the field go, and uh, I think everybody in the stands were just – scratching their heads, what the heck is going on? Because it's so unique of a play, but they pulled it off greatly. So There's something to be said for knowing it frontwards and backwards. I remember Jeff Fisher with the Titans uh, uh, implementing that at one point. I can't remember if the kicker made it, but he was getting them to do a fair catch so they'd have a free kick at the end of a half in a game. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Ron, we sure do appreciate it. Have a fantastic night. Let's go next to Brent. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Brent. Hey, Gerald. Sorry, I didn't realize you didn't do a lot of TSSAA, but uh, I think they may get more officials if they uh, start paying everybody mileage. That's one of the things other states around us pay their officials mileage, but they seem to lack that here in Tennessee. So just a suggestion. Didn't know if that was on their radar or not. Yeah, uh, Brent, I don't know either. I mean, they're, they're going to have to do something. And, and Tennessee's not the only state. Uh, I mean, I travel up in the Tri-Cities and, you know, Virginia high schools running ads on the radio looking for officials as well as Upper East Tennessee officials. So, uh, But, yeah, I mean, that's something to be said. Uh, I think when I first started, high school varsity got uh, 20 bucks a piece for the officials, and they gave us $5 for one car for gas. <laughs> of course, keep in mind, back then probably gas wasn't but about 30 cents a gallon either, so I don't know that. <laughs> Anything else, Brent? I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. I'm John Wilkerson. Today we are at Twin Peaks, right where, uh, well, actually settled nicely, right where you have uh, on North Shore, right between Kingston Pike and Paper Mill. So we invite you by. It's the perfect place, Jimmy, to uh, to just come hang out. A fantastic menu, something for everyone, but perfect place to watch Tennessee open the season on Thursday. If you haven't already had your fantasy draft and need a place to do it, this is also the perfect place. Great Wi-Fi. And, again, something for everyone on their menu. Well, you're right. And they've got a ton of um, flat-screen TVs. Uh, we just saw some of the U.S. Open tennis tournament, which started today. Uh, they're showing uh, some uh, replays of a game from a couple of years ago. There's Sports Center on right now. There's just an awful lot right here, and the food is fantastic. I'm having the fish tacos, and they are wonderful. Let's get back to the phones. Our guest, Gerald Hodges. It's George who joins us next. Hello, George. Hey, how you doing, guys? Doing well. Hope you are. I would. Yeah, Gerald. Thank you for taking my call, Jimmy, John. Hey, uh, well, Gerald. Did, just clarification for, uh, sure. for your listeners on exactly what officials are looking for in, in a targeting call, please. Okay. Uh, the uh, there are several indicators on targeting. Uh, the one one of them obviously is lowering the head. That's kind of the first key. And uh, lowering the head, and then then their targeting is broken down into two different categories. One is leading with the crown of the helmet, and uh, that can be anywhere on the 
runner's uh, body. It doesn't have to be to the head and shoulders. That that comes in a little bit later. But lowering the head, launching, uh, kind of an upward thrust, and uh, the but it has to be with the crown of the helmet. And that's really as much for the protection of the tackler as it is the, the player being tackled. And uh, then the uh, the other one uh, is a hitting a defenseless player. And a defenseless player, now that has to be above the head or shoulders. And uh, the uh, and actually they've got it now where they've included a blindside block if it's forceful enough would be targeting. Uh, but uh, or also a passer when he is in a passing position. Uh, you can't hit him at or below the knees, you know, if he's got a foot planted, that type of thing. Or a receiver that has just caught the ball and it's just returning to the ground. Uh, you can't hit him at the head or shoulders. Very good. Thank you, guys. Appreciate the time. All right. Thank you, George. If you have a question or comment for Gerald, 656-9900, 656-9900. Gerald, um, one of the things that happened in a high school game the other day that I was watching was there was a player that started to taunt the defender chasing him down, and they threw a flag. The touchdown stood, and then the team had the option of taking the 15 yards on the extra point of the kickoff. To my knowledge, in college, that's the only place where a touchdown would be nullified by a ball carrier taunting before he scored. Correct. That that came in just a couple of years ago, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, if it's on the uh, scoring team, and uh, it actually doesn't even have to be the ball carrier. If one of his blockers turns around and taunts, and they throw the flag, it, it would be from wherever the ball is at when the foul oh, occurred. So, okay. Uh, now, if it's a substitute on the sidelines, uh, then it, bec- it reverts like to the high school. It's it's a dead ball foul. And then you would, uh, you know, penalize either on the, the uh, try or the extra, I mean, or the kickoff. One of the things that uh, I'm curious about, so there's been this issue about knee pads and pants and jerseys and T-shirts and wearing your uniform correctly. Uh, what What is what's the NCAA doing about the knee pads? Are they throwing that back to the uh, discretion of the coaches and the teams? Well, in college, the trainer of each team uh, has to sign a form starting you know, before the game. And they have to give it to the umpire, and uh, the uh, they still haven't made it a penalty on knee pads, but they encourage the the officials as they go out in pregame warmups. You know, if the knee, you know, the pad, and used to they they didn't even force they didn't have to have pads. You know, mm-hmm. but they do have to have knee pads. It has to cover the knee. Otherwise, they send them out of the game. They can't play unless they can pull them down. Some of the pants, I don't think they can pull below their knees, you know. I think you're right. They're like bicycle shorts. Yeah, Yeah, cut them off. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, but the intent is to, you know, I mean, if a guy just keeps on and doesn't do it, I mean, they'll they'll throw him out of the game, you know. So, uh, then he gets to go tell the coach why he can't play. (laughs) But they're, they're hoping that the training staff and coaches will, 
take care of that. But that is a that's a, another point of emphasis. And uh, they only had really three actual rule changes this year. Another one was, uh, and there's no penalty yet, but uh, faking injuries become a real problem late in the game or trying to slow down the fast offense. And uh, the problem with, with that is from an officiating standpoint anywhere in the country, if a player goes down and says he's injured, then the officials have to shut the game down and have the trainers come out. They, they've debated several different remedies for that, you know, and then uh, they, uh, you know, uh, say, well, he's got to sit out a series or mm-hmm. X number of plays before he can come back in. And what they came up so far this year is uh, if that occurs, then the team or school or conference can request a video be sent to the national coordinator of officials who will then contact the athletic director at that school for their handling of the play. That's interesting because it's well past what would have been the infraction. Well, so you, it would just be okay. You, you gave kinda, him a finger you, wag. Yeah, you've kind of gotten away with it. Yeah, know? it's right. Oh, um, uh, go ahead. But I do know they had lots of discussion in the rules committee about it, and if that doesn't fix the problem, then it'll probably get some teeth down the road as far as the penalty. In looking at some of the language in the points of emphasis changes and and new policies, it it's interesting as Tennessee gets ready to, I believe, unveil a new. Uh, light show and you know the LED display yes. and everything that's going to be available. Right. That now, uh, if anybody purposely tries to utilize whatever technology, even if it's just a, a trombone in their hand, <laughs> but anybody that's trying to do something to disrupt the opposing team and its ability to hear its calls, it can get to the point where you could forfeit the game. But, but it's, it, it says that it would be an automatic, unsportsmanlike conduct, and, but if it's deemed excessive, and, uh, and I just love the way that they have it all the way to the end result that you could, could you imagine walking a team out uh, off the field saying you just lost because your light guy <laughs> had an attitude about the opposing team? It, uh, there was, I saw some games on TV last year. I, I wasn't at one, but. Uh, and there's schools all around the country that had that, and they would they would flash those lights like a strobe effect, and man, that's you know, that could really mess up your vision and everything. There's a play in the case book now that, uh, and there again, just for an example, uh, teams on offense and they throw a long pass, and the light guys flashing the lights, you know, yeah. Uh, just like a strobe effect, and he drops the ball. And, you know, the referee, like I said, has the option of a penalty, awarding a score, yep, or forfeiting the game. So uh, I think, well, one one thing that's happened, too, though, with, you know, the new LED lights. You remember back in the day when you had the old mercury vapor lights, if they went out, it was 20 minutes before oh, they could sure back up. So, it sure yeah, was. With, with the new led and the strobes you know you could you could mess up somebody's vision pretty quickly but very much so but it's so bright enough of a problem that they put it in the rules this year 
I'm John Wilkerson with Jimmy Himes. We're here at Twin Peaks, which is once again, Jimmy, sponsoring our pick segment this year. We look forward to it. Our pick segment is going to be on Friday uh, from uh, 5, 5 to 6 o'clock. Al Brown is going to kick it off. We look forward to some challenging games. There always are the first week. There's so much unpredictable. You just never know how a team's going to look. Uh, who saw Illinois beating Nebraska in that first week? So there's a lot of unknown. We look forward to that. It should be a lot of fun. And um, we've got um, a lot of SEC games to touch on as well as the SEC will be playing uh, pretty much a full slate. Obviously, we won't have Tennessee on there because that's a Thursday night game. But we've got a lot of SEC games to be picked in our pick segment as well. Tell me, Gerald, did you ever have a hurricane impact a game, either one that you were calling or going to call? We did one. They moved it. Up. Oh, hold on just a second. Okay. Andy. So, everybody yeah. waiting with bated breath. All right. Yes. Good. Okay. Yes. Uh, we had one. Uh, they, they post. Well, actually, I take that back. It wasn't, it wasn't a hurricane. Uh, but it was the uh, 9-11 game at LSU, and they moved it to the end of the season. So as far as a hurricane, no, we have not. uh, So hopefully it's going to be moved on through the southeast uh, this weekend for most of our schools. Uh, Gerald, I want to revisit the the faking and injury situation. So we've seen in the NFL where if a player is deemed to, after the game, have made an egregious hit, targeting or whatever, that player can get fined, even though there wasn't a penalty that was called. Right. So going back to this thing about faking an injury, uh, the national coordinator of football officials, which is Steve Shaw, he can review it and then communicate findings to the director of athletics at the institution for further action. What could that further action be? Could it be a suspension, suspension of the player? Suspension. I was, I like, was, a, like a targeting? A right. Pro- yeah. Something like that. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, and then possibly if there's more than one, it would snowball could be a, a longer suspension uh they're but they're trying to get trying to get it out of the game you know and uh, uh i guess the first go around probably they would leave it up to the athletic director and the coaches at the institutions to mm-hmm. you know decide how to how to correct the problem or you know that type of thing you would think the coaches could oversee that but then they're supposed to oversee uniforms also so that hasn't worked out very well <laughs> right yeah, and there. In fact, there's one little tidbit on the uniform too. The the t-shirts now can't not come down below the jersey or below the waistband. It's supposed to be the, tucked in. The t-shirts. T-shirts. Yeah. So you know you've seen that where you got a short jersey and then a t-shirt coming down fairly long. So we'll see how that goes too. Uh, could you cover this one, coaches? One of the points of emphasis: coaches out on the field of play debating, officiating. Decisions. What's the point of emphasis there? Well, the point of emphasis is they, they're they not supposed to be in the green on the field. And mm-hmm. uh, they've had some issues with that in the past. Uh, and they're, they're really putting it on the officials to call that. Uh, and, you know, it used to be, well, he wasn't out very far or whatever. Uh, the way the rule reads, if he is in the green – on the field, it's an automatic. So, you know, hopefully they will enforce that. It's, that's the way to curb it. it. Is there any concern about an official that kind of, I'm, I'm sorry, a coach that kind of walks on the field to instruct a player? He's not debating with an official. 
can can the coach do they'll, that? They'll give them latitude there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. On the previous instance, I can see that impacting as many as thirteen SEC head coaches. <laughs> <laughs> Not just SEC. <laughs> That's right. And the rest of college football. <laughs> Is there any aspect? Sometimes you hear, for instance, when you come out of spring training in baseball, that uh, you hope that the the hitting can catch up with the pitching, or that uh, when you start football, that the offense can catch up with the defense. Is there any aspect of calling a game from the officials' perspective that is more challenging at the start of a season compared to another aspect of the game? Not really. Because mm-hmm. uh, you have to pass all of those uh, milestones and training regimen oh, sure. situations. Absolutely. And you've got – you really don't. I mean, you'll see mis- misplays or whatever on each, like each side of the ball. I guess – if it would any, if it show up early, it might be the offense because you've got the signal, the cadence, and that type of thing. Uh, they've got to learn it. it got plays at the line of scrimmage, uh, yeah. audibles at the line of scrimmage. Those things that can kind of get out in the weeds, if you will, on early, where they kind of work on that. Gerald, it's great to have you back with us again this year. Thank you so much. Well, it's good to be here. I'm glad to be back. Sure do appreciate it. And one quick note, Oklahoma two-lane game has been moved to Norman, Oklahoma, rather than being played in New Orleans. They had that as a contingency in the agreement to play. So good on them for having a plan. Uh, Gerald's appearance is brought to you by A.G. Hines Company, providing building materials since anyone can remember.